welcome to this episode of the Top Order Podcast. With not a lot of cricket going on around the world, there is one place where you are going to be able to watch some international cricket in the coming weeks, and that's Vanuatu. We speak to Shane Dietz. He was an Australian cricketer playing 66 first-class games for South Australia. He's also played international cricket now for Vanuatu and is also their CEO. We have a fascinating chat with him coming up where we talk about his Shield career with Darren Lehman. We also talk about their rise to the Associate Nations and hopefully getting a place at one of the T20 World Cups as a genuine ambition. All coming up after the swish. So Shane, welcome to the Top Order podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, look, we're just at the end of lockdown here in New Zealand. I guess I want to find out a little bit about what that's been like for you in Vanuatu. And then moving on from there, how did you actually come to land in Vanuatu as CEO of their cricket association? Yeah, well, we sort of got away with the, the lockdown here. We only had a few weeks of it. Um, there was a, a like a nine o'clock curfew at night. Uh, the borders are still locked down, but as a general lockdown for business and getting around town, we only had a few weeks and we found out we've got no COVID-19, so we're extremely lucky. Um, still no cases, so things are pretty much back to normal now. There's a few smaller rules you've got to abide by, but um, generally... We're, we're back to normal. It's just a bit quiet because there's no tourists, which um, obviously that's going to hurt the economy, uh, particularly long term. So that's probably the biggest uh, issue we have now is the economy and what we're going to do in the next uh, few months, years with uh, the tourism industry. But uh, hopefully that will get back on track soon and we can get back to a bit more uh, tourists coming in, bring some money in the country, which would be great. Uh, to your point of question, yeah, ended up in Vanuatu and CEO, which is pretty surprising since I didn't really have a normal job ever before. So it's a big, uh, big step um, to go into the real world. But uh, I was coaching the Bangladesh women's team and the 2014 uh, World Cup T20 completed in Bangladesh. And there wasn't so much happening there. I wasn't too sure what my future was there. Uh, they were you know, not committing to anything. And then... Basically, my wife sent me a link and said, well, not, not my wife then, but my girlfriend then sent me a link and said, what about this place, Venewada? Here's a cricket job. So I just applied online and went for the interview and got the job as a high performance manager and head coach. I did that for nearly four years. And then, you know, it was probably time for me to stop coaching the guys anyway. And the VCA, Venewada Cricket Association, uh, created a new position as a CEO and offered it to me and I took it as a, as a challenge and learning a lot as I go but so far so good. Does it feel like home for you? You've dusted off the keeping gauntlets I think since you've arrived even after a, a hip replacement so yeah is it feeling like home and you're still playing a little bit? Yeah um, it does feel like home now it's coming up to six years um, and uh, the latest place I've been living in is uh, fantastic and it's a nice little home in a little resort called the Venerado Beachfront Apartments so I'll give them a little plug um, yeah it's fantastic and we've been in that house for a while so it does feel like home and we've got good friends here outside of cricket and yeah it's you're still amazed that sometimes you're actually living in this country and when you go away you really miss it so I guess it is home now um, with the cricket side of things, well, 
Reluctantly, I put the pads on again. Yeah, they changed the rules to three-year qualification. I'd been here for three years, hadn't played much cricket for a while, and they just had a hip replacement. But at the time, we probably 50-over cricket. We were just struggling in the middle overs to knock the spinners around, and and the keeping role was yeah, that, we were probably in between keepers. We had a, a guy who was getting to the end of his career and a couple of young keepers coming through weren't quite ready, so... I sort of had to put the pads on and play a bit, but definitely won't be happening again. I have zero interest of ever trying to do that again. Particularly in Malaysia, it was like 40 degrees and a 1,000% humidity every day. It was probably the worst place to want to play cricket. What's the cricket like in terms of your domestic competition and domestic club cricket? How many people play across Manawatu? Yeah, in Port Villa, the capital, we have... Uh, at the moment, seven teams, sometimes eight teams. Um, and that's, uh, that's probably an area really trying to develop is our club our club cricket system. It's pretty hard to get everyone, guys together and girls together on a Saturday and get everyone on time. Um, but we've improved our grounds, which has helped a bit and made it a bit more uh, appealing to people who come down and trying to make cricket a bit more fun, having some music and things like that in the mix. So, yeah, it's it's a pretty social, quite social event. Um, but obviously the guys on the national team have really improved. Some guys bowl up you know, around 130K. So if you've got one of those guys on the synthetic pitch when you're a social cricketer, it's probably not much fun either. So, But, yeah, it's an area we're working in. And then Santo, the second biggest city here, Luganville, on Santo Island, that's, um, that's got four club teams and we're really going to develop that region uh, over the next few years to, to get some players out of there. Do you get to do much inter-island travel between Santo and um, Tanner and, and Vila and whatnot for that club competition, or is it all within the same island? And do you have any overseas players come and play in that comp, or is it all local Nevan players playing in that in that club competition? Yeah, we, the travel's quite expensive. Um, you know, it's upwards of, in Kiwi dollars, three dollars $400 a return flight, so you can't really you know, send a team over there. And the boat, the big sister, usually takes about 24 hours to get there. So it's not the nicest travel. So it's been pretty hard to do any of that inter-island inter cricket. Um, yeah, with um, the local competition, we get a few expats come down and play, and it really helps the competition. Uh, I think years gone by in the 80s, 90s, it was probably more dominant of expat guys. Um, but now there's really only one team that has half a dozen expats in it and then the one other team's got one or two that's about it so it's good that the cricket's taken off and all the new Vanuatu get excited and get in and play so that's fantastic but it's always trying to get um, some expats involved and you know they've got businesses so it can lead to jobs for people etc etc so it's a good mix and the more we can mix it and mix all together the expats and, and the new Vanuatu it's uh, I think it's a fantastic for cricket to bring to break those barriers down and bring everyone together so that's what we're really trying to do you know we have some competitions and finals days with music and like a bar and a real party atmosphere and try to bring everyone together and celebrate cricket here and what kind of level are you at internationally what kind of competitions are you playing in and tournaments are you playing in in and around the Asia Pacific area well the, the men's our team is ranked in 50 over cricket, which is the majority of the rankings that we go by is ranked 29. And we're in what's called, now they always, ICC changed the name regularly. It's I think it's called the Cricket World Cup Challenge League. 
the pool A is what we're in. So that's basically teams ranked 21 to 32 play three years, over three years, three tournaments. Uh, so that's got uh, some of the teams like that. Hong Kong are in that as well. Um, so that's a pretty good competition. That's just outside of, I guess, the Division 2, which is the teams, the non-test playing teams, ranked 13 to 20. So we're just out of that group. So that gives us overseas cricket, and we're a part of that World League. So that's really good for the men. Uh, in the T20, we just play, and men and women, we play. In our, it's more like a soccer qualification. You go play in your region. The winner of the region goes to the global qualifier. So this year with Papua New Guinea in the World Cup, then in our in our regional qualifier, so it really adds a chance for one of the other teams to step up and get to a global qualifier because no one's really done that besides PNG in our region. They've been quite dominant, and the and the women they're going really well. They're ranked twenty eight in T twenty, and they've beaten a few of the teams ranked higher than them. So I'm expecting them to really go out and push for the top twenty in the next two or three years. And so can you talk us through some of the challenges of being a CEO of an emerging cricket nation? You've been involved with Vanuatu Cricket since 2014 now, if I'm, if I'm right. What are the, some of the challenges of, of nurturing an emerging nation through that progress and, and ultimately, I guess, aiming for World Cup qualification? Oh, there's loads of challenges like any, any place. Um, and associate cricket, it's very unique and very different to all other cricket around the world and completely different challenges. And each, each associate country has different challenges as well. Like for us, I remember coming here and I ran an under-19s trial day, sent a wicket practice game, and we only had about four pairs of shoes between 20 guys. So <laughs> things like that you don't think are going to happen, but, yeah, guys would bowl with a pair of shoes on and just take them off and flick them to the next guy, and he'd chuck them on, no socks, and bowl with them as well. And, you know, 35 degrees. <laughs> so, yeah, it was pretty amazing. Uh, we've had guys play cricket with thongs on, with pads. So getting gear and shoes is real, real tough. Um, we get a lot of donated gear, which we thank a lot. A lot of that time, it's getting that here and it's pretty old and no good anyway. So it's pretty hard getting good quality gear for our players. You know, want to play international cricket and go to World Cup, you need some, some good gear. I've had some people like uh, Peter Duffy from Classic Bats in Melbourne. He's given us over 80 bats um, over the years, so he's been brilliant. And yeah, having partners like him is, is what we're after. Playing-wise, it's just getting games of cricket. We don't get the chance to play under pressure enough to fly a team to, for us, you know, to go over to Australia, for example, or to Australia or New Zealand or anywhere else in the world. You're looking at where upwards of $10,000 just to get on the plane. And then you've got to have accommodation and food and everything. So if you want to have a 10-day tour, it's about $30,000 New Zealand Kiwi dollars, roughly. So that's probably the biggest challenge is get that competition, regular competition. So what we're, you know, we're setting up now is cricket tourism and we're inviting the teams to come to us. That sort of makes sense. So we've really developed our ground with a hybrid pitch, um, which is plays like a turf pitch, and that's going to offer us a great facility. So now we're just inviting teams from Australia and New Zealand for a pre-season tournament, things like that. So that will give us some good competition. We'll play some good cricket, I think, and that will probably be a game changer for us. Well, that's what we're hoping for anyway. And have you had a bit of uptick there? Have, have people said that they're going to come? 
Yes, yes, we're a team from Newcastle, Australia. Uh, they were planning to come before all the COVID-19 sort of hit everything. Um, we're in Australia, me, myself, and uh, Melissa, our marketing manager in Australia, talking to Cricket Australia, Cricket Victoria, other places, suggesting the idea. So everyone's keen. Um, we're doing a good package now. We're sponsored by the Holiday Inn which is an unbelievable resort, and they're really supporting cricket and our guys so much, and it's a fantastic place right near the ground. So the teams that come over are going to have probably the best resort in Venezuela to stay at at a really, really competitive rate. And then we'll get cheap flights for everyone too, and we'll get over you know, for a week playing cricket. You know, it's around about 2000 2500 per person. It's pretty affordable, I think. Have a week's cricket, emerge yourself in the culture, challenge yourself against an international team. So that's what the challenge is out there. If anyone wants to come over and tour, we could uh, you know, either organise a tournament or just a single tour. And teams that have come before um, have had a fantastic team time. We had um, a New Zealand team. I can never – I should know how to pronounce them. Honey through uh, Carpety. Cricket Association oh. come, over, come over and played and they had an absolute ball. So – um, those guys were brilliant over here too. They really had a fantastic time and yeah, we had a great time with them. Well, I can certainly vouch for the Holiday Inn at Port Vila and I can also vouch for the golf course just out past the airport there. If you've ever got a spare day on that cricket tour, I can thoroughly recommend that seaside golf course. It's a, a beautiful place to spend a morning or an afternoon and the uh, clubhouse has got a fantastic view and very cold very cold Tusker as well. I, I, I'm really looking forward to the, the prospect of people coming over and playing on that tour. I think it'd be fantastic. Yeah, it'll be awesome. So the, the golf course is fantastic. You know, there's fishing, there's zip line, there's a lot of activities, team building activities we can organise for guys who've got some good strength and conditioning facilities and good strength and conditioning coach, Brett Wright, um, who can help out and you can come do some team building planning for the season, etc. like that. So, yeah, it's all, it's all set up, ready to go now. So we just got to get the teams out there. So. That's what we can't wait to do that. Women as well. We'd love to have some women teams come over and give our girls a, a good competition. And private schools in Australia, talk to a couple. That could be a really good tour for kids to come over and play against their under-19s and give them some cricket. So, as you say, for the men and women come over, the Tusker is cold and the Holiday Inn is a good, <laughs> fantastic place. So, everyone will have a great time. There's no doubt about that. And probably take everyone to Melee Village and have a bit of play a bit of village cricket with those guys. Very competitive in there, I'll tell you. Beautiful. Yeah, well, let's let's hope the world can just deal with this COVID thing and and um and we can get over there. But um, I mean, speaking of of that, you guys have become a bit of a viral sensation during this lockdown period for the rest of the world. I mean, live cricket going on, live streams reached almost half a million people. I saw. Yeah, I think it's just gone over that now. People keep watching. It was unbelievable we're sort of sitting here going all right let's start club cricket again and then one of the guys said this we're probably the only game of cricket in the world and it's like well maybe even the only sport because that was about three or four weeks ago so it was no brain i called the local broadcaster said well, we want to you know put this on live stream what can you do and they said yep yeah, they'll help us out and we rushed it together in a couple of days uh, the cameraman never seen cricket before, half of them, so they had no idea what to do, what to expect, and we sort of just chucked it all together, island style, and like things always island style, will come good in the end, and the product was pretty good. Uh, we had 
So there's been endless amount of emails and messages from all over the world since then. And we've, I think we had um, over 700 articles. New York Times ran a big article, things like that, which is absolutely crazy. So you know, when we travelled, most people never heard of Vanuatu, let alone know we play cricket. So it's pretty amazing and hopefully, yeah, it will lead to bigger and better things for us, which, which you know, I think it is now as we start our, our Bebada Vanuatu Blast T10 tournament coming up uh, starting on Thursday. So it's all come from that and hopefully this could be a, an annual thing as well. Yeah, so that's that's being live streamed as well, is it? Yes. So uh, we're in partnership with Betbana, which is an online sports betting casino company uh, worldwide. So they've come to and they really want to support cricket and help develop cricket in our country as well. So we're partnered with them. Um, you'll how it all work at the moment? I would say there'll be clicks on our Facebook and social media to go to the Betbana site. Or their YouTube, and yeah, you can live stream it and watch it anywhere around the world. And yeah, we've got three teams of the best men's players in Vanuatu, so it should be a really competitive tournament. Boys are super excited; they're training hard. Everyone's all the talking around town is about this competition. So yeah, it's exciting for us. And hopefully, we'll get people tuning in around the world and see how good our guys are. Never know; some might get pick up a contract in New Zealand T20. Something like that, or Australia Big Bash, IPL, you never know. A couple of guys are actually good enough to do that, I, I believe. So that could lead to something big for them too. It would be life-changing. And just quickly, Shane, uh, when does it start and how long does that tournament go for? And we can get to it at the Bet Barter site. Is that right? Yeah, I think the links will be on our Facebook page. So the easiest thing, we go to the Venerato Facebook page and Twitter and Instagram uh, that will be the links there. It goes for five – there's 10 games over five days, so two games per day. It's starting this Thursday, the 21st of May, and that's at 1 p.m. local time. And then the second game will be 3 p.m. local time, so that will be in New Zealand, for for example, will be yeah, 2 p.m. in Australia. It will be 12 p.m. Uh, in India, it's going to be 7 a.m., I think, so – yeah, it'll be exciting times, and yeah, that from it'll be on the Thursday, and then the next four Saturdays after that, as Thursday's a public holiday here. So Thursday, twenty first, it starts, and then every Saturday after that. But yeah, on our social media, we'll be putting up regular posts and advertising, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and hopefully everyone will be able to tune in and have a look and send us emails and comments again. We love hearing from people around the world and excited to see us play. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll certainly be tuning in. Um, the I guess we'll we'll just move on to your your own playing days and give them a, a shout out in a minute. But before we stop talking about Vanuatu, what do you think the realistic ambitions are for you guys at, at Vanuatu Cricket? Well, realistically, and it depends how the World Cup shape up over time. Um, you know, if they go to sixteen or twenty teams for men and women, we're right in the mix. So if there's a 10-team World Cup, obviously we'd never do that. But if they, both men and women go to 20-team World Cups, yeah, that's our aim is to try to crack into, into that. And I think it is actually realistic as long as we can keep developing. We've, you know, we've developed a lot over the last 10 years from pretty much new to cricket to now in the top 30. And, you know, Canada had just had a World Cup when we had them on toast last time in Malaysia. So... We're not far away. We just got to take that next step, and we're putting in plans to do that. So realistically, I think if 
they go to 16-20-team World Cups, men and women, we're definitely, definitely a chance to do that. PNG have just proved it, that they're in the T20 World Cup now, and they're, they're a really good side and definitely a bit better than us, but we're striving to, to match them. But we're setting high, st- high standards and high goals, which is getting the World Cup, so we're going for it. Shane, do you think having a 16 or 20 team World Cup is good for world cricket? I know there's been a 10 team World Cup, 14 teams. What do you think realistically is the right balance for world cricket promoting the game and, and getting those big name, you know, both big teams involved as well? I, don't, I see T20 in particular. Um, it's a bit like rugby sevens. You know, once it started that, you've got the likes of Kenya, USA, they're great rugby sevens teams. And T20 is no difference. You know, spinners are key and anyone can develop spin. You don't have to be bowling 140, 50 Ks an hour, which is probably what you don't have at our level as much. Um, but if there's investment and teams become full-time, full-time players, um, which, you know, we've got for our men the last few years, it will just rocket. The, the standard will rocket up if we get more opportunities to play as well. I don't, I, I don't see why not there can't be like football or soccer a 32-team World Cup. Same as normal rugby, 15 aside rugby. Look at Japan now. You've got to start somewhere and then develop it. And 50 overs might be a bit of a stretch for the likes of us, but definitely a T20. Um, we, we could be, if you've got a 32-team competition for that, there's no reason why within five to ten years you could have 15, 20 teams could win that competition. So hopefully also if they go to the Olympics and there's a T10 in the Olympics, that could be even more competitive and Sky's the limit. I think he had Colin Miller on the other day. He talked about T20 in the USA, and that's the future of cricket for associates. And if you train specifically for that over a period of time, there's no reason why you can't be competitive. Well, let's touch on your playing career, Shane. You've had a quite a lot of sort of variety of experiences in your first-class career over a 10-year period for South Australia. Um, just to start off, our chief researcher, Stuart, has delved into the Crick Info archives and has discovered your nickname as Clean Sheets. Is there a funny story behind that, or are you just nice and tidy as a gloveman? Um, it comes from one of my best mates. I was playing in Ashton Underline in the Central Lancashire League. Um, yeah, it rhymes with Shane Dietz, so it was like Shane Dietz, Clean Sheets. And I've been a pretty good boy on that tour so far, so that's why the name came up. Um, yeah, he's, a, he's in my wedding party actually. Daniel Rice who came up with a came up with a name, and yeah, I was trying to be a good boy and behave myself as much as possible. So probably unlike any other overseas pros played in England. Yeah, I was going to say that'd be a, that'd be a first for an Aussie in the Lancashire League. I think being well behaved. Yeah, it didn't last long. <laughs> <laughs> And so a 10-year career from South Australia debuted in 1998, is that correct, all the way through to 2008? Yep, that's correct. And so you you batted pretty much everywhere in the order. You're an opening bat, you batted as, as low as seven, sometimes kept wicket, sometimes didn't keep wicket. What was it like in that era of Sheffield Shield cricket? Did you find yourself as kind of a, a Mr. Fixer in that, in that order for South Australia or did you just go where the selectors told you and did what your kind of role was on the day? Yeah, it was, it was looking back, you look back different, differently than at the time. But, yeah, I was just wanted to play first-class cricket. I was in the New South Wales squad, just got into the New South Wales squad, and Brad Haddon was moving up from ACT, and obviously he wasn't moving up for a holiday. So 
I knew I wasn't going to be the next keeper. So I had a crack at, uh, yeah, we spoke to Greg Chappell, went down to South Australia and just had a crack. At the time, uh, Tim Nielsen was the wicketkeeper, so I got a chance to open the batting. And then uh, once he retired, I got played some games as a keeper, some as a as an opening batter. Got two wickets, I want to throw that in there, which is probably my career highlight. Um, but yeah, when I did well with the bat, then I sort of said, oh, we're going to bat you at seven. And then I went down to seven and camped a bit. And then the openers weren't making runs or I started failing and got dropped, which I happened a fair bit. So um, I, I just tried to survive and get as many games as possible. And I would have done anything to to wear the red cap. It was an honour just to get one game. Playing about 66 or something I think I played was was amazing. But, yeah, it was, it was hard going up and down. I never really knew what I was doing. I, I was just winging it as much as I could. And that you said that standard of cricket that every team had – the higher class bowlers. Um, yeah, we had. I got the chance to bat with Lehman, and basically, I think I kept my spot as the opener for for a few more years because I'd bat to lunch, get through the new ball, then throw my wicket away, and Buff would come and make hundred or two hundred. <laughs> when the game was easy, I think he just wanted me to keep me in the side just to do that. <laughs> we actually played. We actually played a one day game where that was the against Austin Yard. I think it's on YouTube against New South Wales full strength, Brett Lee, McGrath, everyone, and I batted three. It was basically get to about 10 overs and then get out. So Buffalo came in and he, I did that. <laughs> and I uh, made 120 or something on the best hundreds ever on a really dodgy North Sydney over wicket. So I, I thought I should have got man of the match. But Buffalo got it. It was unbelievable. <laughs> you wouldn't have played if, I didn't, if I wasn't selfish. <laughs> if I was a selfish player. <laughs> Typically unselfish top order bat. That's what I like to see. Um, on a serious note, though, I mean, how, how hard was it being in and out of the side, not knowing what your role was? How do you prepare for prepare for a game? So having that uncertainty around, you know, not knowing if you're going to play the next week or the week after that. I just uh, prepared for everything, expecting the unexpected, which I think probably helped me out a lot. And you had to become resilient. Um and knowing that, and I think that's helped me in my coaching career, just trying to find a way to make it work. Um, so that was that was it. I just prepared to bat, bowl, keep, do everything. And as Jason Gillespie always said to me, play every game as it your last. So I did that, and always just prepared for prepared for anything, expect the unexpected, and then you that's all you can do really, and just hope for the best. <laughs> Awesome. Well, we like to finish the pod with a little bit of a rundown of some quickfire questions, Shane. So it's not on the list here, but tell us about your two wickets because you've mentioned that already. So a couple of, yeah, a couple of polls. Who, who did you get out? Well, it's actually, if you've been following um, Rob Moody on Twitter, he's bringing up videos, endless videos of cricket around the world. I flicked him a tweet. He said, mate, have you got my two wickets? He actually did. Um, it was day one, we were playing at the Gabba and we were getting absolutely smashed. I think that must have been two for nearly 200 before tea on day one. Andrew Simons was on 80 and Stuart Law was on 80. And Buffer said, have a bowl. I bowled some filthy wrong sort of leggies, something like that. <laughs> and I tossed one up, outside off stump. Andrew Simons ran past it, got stumped, went for tea. Oh, he goes, have another over. And then I bowled... One that sort of went straight on and hit Shui Law in the pads and got two for 17. Thank you very much. 
So I finally yeah. feel sorry for those guys. I think I've reminded Shuey Law a few times on when it comes <laughs> up as a memory or something on my Facebook page. Always uh, put him in there. So two good players. Though. I'm taking that. Two test players. Absolutely. Flipping to the to the bat. What was your favourite innings when you look back? Uh, probably my first hundred at the MCG. Uh, Colin Miller was playing, um, and Damien Fleming, poor rifle. It was a pretty good attack. And yeah, it was my first hundred, so it was pretty good. And uh, just lucky enough, my, I flew my mum down to be out of the game as well. Um, so that was a pretty special moment. And it is known as the slowest hundred ever at the MCG in all forms of cricket. And I think the record's still there. We're trying to save the game for about nine hours, which I got to about eight and a half hours or something. And then I chased a wide one and got out. <laughs> that, was a, that was a good moment. No. Who was the toughest bowler that you had to face? There'd have been some pretty decent practitioners in shield cricket at that point. Yeah, I'd have to say, without doubt, Michael Kasperwitz. He was at the Gabba. I just, I, I couldn't even get close to it for him to get me out. So that's how hard it was. Um, I remember batting with Andy Flower because he played for South Australia one year, and we batted for like a session. And oh, I think we probably only scored about 20 runs. We got bru- He broke his fingers. I had bruises everywhere. It was really hot. He was just an amazing competitor. He, when it was over a bickle at the other end, umpire call over. By the time you went to meet your partner, Casper was sprinting in from the final leg boundary and he was ready to bowl and ready to kill you. And even though he's the nicest yeah. man in the world, he was super competitive. He just, yeah, he was, he was outstanding at the Gabba. And conversely, was there anyone that you loved to face? Anyone that you always had in your pocket and smashed around the park? Having the slowest hundred at the MCG, I didn't really smash too many around at the park. <laughs> um, not particularly. I got a hundred against Drew McGill. I liked facing him, he, which was to face him a bit in club cricket as well. But he, in my last game, he got me out twice. So I reckon he got one. He won in the end. But um, no, I don't. I didn't really have anyone in my pocket. Far from it. I'm a, 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 I was a keeper in my playing days. Who was the trickiest bowler you had to keep to? Was it one of the spinners or, or one of the real quicks? Um, Sean Tate in his younger days because he had absolutely no idea where they were going. The seam was coming out all over the place. One minute you're flying down leg side, you can't even get a mitt on it. Then the next one is wide outside, you catch in front of second slip. But as we used to say, like, come on, Tate, you don't know where they're going. The batsman's got no chance. And then he just bowl a straight one and <laughs> knock them over at about 160K. So, yeah, he was, he was a challenge, to say the least. And he was quick when he first got in our team. That was probably the quickest I saw him bowl. The wild thing, he, yeah, he was brilliant. Right, and here's one you can't dodge. You've been in a lot of cordons in your time. What's the best sledge you've ever either been a part of or you've heard directed at someone? Well, copped a lot, I know that. Because when you got Lehman and, and Bluey and those guys making hundreds, I was an easy target to to pick on. Definitely just kicking them away with my pads for a couple of hours. But come to, <laughs> come to, I would say, being in the game, we played New South Wales at full strength, which we always seem to do for some reason. But uh, we did beat them a couple of times. But uh, Steve Ward just signed with MRF and no one really knew what those bats were obviously it wasn't a bat company it was a tyre company um, 
And poor Rafe was bowling to him, who's a medium pace or fast medium. Sorry, Rafe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, how are those? He might have nicked one or didn't hit one that well. He said, how are those cashmere bats going, Tugger? And he said, mate, these cashmere bats will buy three of your houses. So I reckon, <laughs> I reckon the MRF deal was pretty, pretty uh, lucrative for him. <laughs> That's and there was definitely some characters around in those days. Who was your favourite teammate when you look back? Oh, probably John Davidson. You know, I always got well with him. Uh, up playing for Canada in that World Cup. He was an absolute legend to, to play alongside. I would say we had a good good group of guys. Uh, Ryan Harris as well. He was a young fella came in the team. We got on well. Tatey, Sean Tate was one of a good mate of mine. Jason Gillespie. You know, those guys I'm still in touch with, which is so good to be able to do that. You know, Dizzy's always retweeting our stuff from Cricket Venuatu. Um, yes, he's a great. But, yeah, we had a really, really good good bunch of guys at South Australia. Probably too good. We didn't win anything. We probably enjoyed ourselves too much, I would say. But um, a bunch of blokes and, yeah, obviously Buffer being captain. It was never a dull moment. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, look, it, you've been awesome with your time, Shane. Before we, we go, looking back with your playing days, annual coaching and now administrative career, what are you proudest of? It's oh, a tough question. Um, I think uh, getting into first-class cricket in that era, it's, it's it was so, so tough. I know you don't want to say back in my day it was a good standard of cricket. You know, you hear all that at the time in the pub, but I think back in my day it was a good standard of cricket. You know, the Australian team was invincible nearly. Sure, cricket was just cutthroat and ruthless. And looking back, to just to be able to be, be on the field with some of those guys, playing against Warney and Gilchrist and those players, it was amazing. And watching Darren Lehman bat was probably the highlight for sure. He was an amazing player. So, no, I think just getting into first-class cricket in that era is probably my proudest moment. Awesome. Well, look, before we let you go... Um... I'm sure there's going to be lots and lots of cricket fans tuning in to watch what is going to be perhaps some of the only cricket on TV for a little while with this pesky little COVID thing going around. Give us a reminder of where we can find all of those streams and your own Twitter handle and stuff like that so people can check out Vanuatu Cricket. Yep, uh, Vanuatu Cricket Facebook page. Uh, it's just called Vanuatu Cricket, I think. You just type that in, that will come up. Facebook's big in Venomato, so that's what we use the most for the local audience. That's the same as Twitter. If you go on that, we'll have all the links. Crick HQ have got the live scoring. Um, so if you go on that, you get the live scoring as well. Uh, if you go just to those, those uh, our cricket website, I mean, our cricket um, social media, Venomato Cricket, you will find it all. I'll be retweeting it all as well. So that's, I think I'm Dita551 on Twitter. Um, so you jump on there and yeah, I'll be putting everything out there. It's going to be fantastic starts to say May 21, 1 p.m. local time. Um, I'll be commentating with a board member, Damien Smith, who played a bit for Venuato as well. So we'll be having a bit of laugh and a bit of fun. It's going to be a great atmosphere and yeah, hopefully lots of people can tune in and follow us and like us, which yeah, means a lot and we get a bit more followers around the world. So. Fingers crossed the weather's good and uh, everyone can find us where we're at. I think also Bet Barter on their 
YouTube channel will be uh, televising it live as well. So but we'll put all those links on our page for everyone to follow. Awesome. And we'll put them in the show notes as well. But look, thank you very much for your time. It's been awesome to talk about associate cricket and I guess the added bonus of some footage and some coverage coming up as well. So look, thanks very much for joining us on the Top Order podcast this evening. Oh, thank you so much. And the uh, support of Inuara Cricket and help us out is a massive, massive thing. So I really appreciate the likes of yourself and others who are who are retweeting us stuff and give us some platform to get our voice and our cricket out there. So thank you very much.